What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Dunk and I'm John Hodge. Today, we're discussing Craig Dickinson not being happy with his football team. Mm, some rumors that the NFL could be looking at an expansion to Toronto. Montreal's quarterbacking situation. Canadian QB Nathan Rourke starting for the Lions in their final game of the regular season. And Liram Hyralahu going perfect in his NFL debut. But first, Dunkster, CFL official Tom Valesi has been fined by the CFL after an F-bomb of his rang through Mosaic Stadium at last week's game between the Elks and Riders. He will not miss any officiating assignments, but Dunkster, it appeared as though the expletive was actually targeted at Saskatchewan when they failed to get onto the sideline in enough time for the second half to start, causing him to call a timeout. What are your thoughts on the situation? Rule number one, anytime, I don't care if it's in broadcasting, refereeing, anywhere else, when you have a microphone on, you should not be swearing. Now, I'm not saying <laughs> I've been perfect in that regard in my broadcasting career. Luckily, it hasn't gotten caught. And yes, some people might reference my playing days against Western University. We won't go there. But overall, <laughs> you can understand here in multiple ways, Hodge, why Valesi would have been frustrated because I'm sure he was getting pressure from the CFL to make sure the game was moving along and that the riders were out of the locker room and also TSN, right? That's one thing that I don't necessarily know if a lot of people out there would understand is that TV very much goes by timing, right? So they're basing coming back from the halftime show and Kate Beerness and the panel on the clock that is in the stadium ticking down that everything runs smoothly. Yes, professional broadcasters should be able to call what we do fill and get to kickoff. But still, the CFL has talked a lot about game times and they want to keep it moving. So you can understand how Valesi was frustrated. And hey, to be quite honest, I'm sure a lot of us out there have dropped the occasional F-bomb when we've been frustrated at one point or another. 
Yeah, I would love to know the number of F-bombs that are deployed, so to speak, in an average football game on the field. I think the number (laughs) is probably in the thousands, maybe the tens of thousands, let's be honest. But obviously, Valesi was in the unfortunate situation where his was caught on his microphone. Uh, The suggestion being, of course, that he, he just didn't realize that it hadn't turned off correctly after announcing the timeout. I mean, Craig Dickinson... Let's start with this. He, he admitted he was embarrassed. His team was not on the field uh, after halftime in quick enough fashion. They were short players on the kickoff team, which forced him to call a timeout. He said it was the first time in his career he's ever had that happen. And he's a guy who's, you know, he's a head coach, but he has also got the background in special teams. Like rule number one, get guys on the field. We all know the Saskatchewan Rough Butters have had trouble having too many guys on the field, but come on, now you've overcompensated. You got not enough. Try to get the right amount of 12. Anyways, the writers, to their credit, have said reportedly that they're happy with how the situation has, has been held. And let's 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 say this. I know there are a lot of Ryder fans saying, oh, Valesi's out to get us. You know, this is ridiculous that he said this. But officials, as you said, Dunkster, are held to a high standard. They're expected to keep the game moving. And there is always tension between both teams and the officials. Tom Valesi's been in this league for for almost three decades he has very long-standing relationships with these clubs with these coaches with these players and over the course of a game they can speak very frankly to each other i don't for a moment believe that valesi had anything out for the riders he was frustrated by their inability to get to the field in time and i'm not defending his choice of language though of course we're all guilty of using inappropriate language from time to time but i can see why he was frustrated in this instance the league has since fined Valesi and he's not going to miss any assignments, which I agree with the back part of that decision that he should not miss any. And to be quite honest, I don't necessarily know if a fine in this instance was warranted. Like we got to remember here that Valesi controls his microphone. So he's, yes, he should have switched it off and it's unfortunate that the FOM went to error, but if we're going to find Valesi Hodge and in my mind, there needs to be fines when there are other F-bombs caught on live mics from the broadcast, right? And a lot of times it's pretty obvious who that person is. So I understand that the CFL is essentially represented in this way by the official, and that's why they want to find them. I hope it was a small fine, to be quite honest. But I just don't think that you can find the guy because there are a lot of other F-bombs that make its way onto TV. My, my only counter to that would be the difference is if a guy's yelling it on the sideline, it happens to get picked up by the broadcast. That's one thing. He accidentally on his own microphone said it live to 26,000 people. So the live versus TV thing to me makes a little different, but I wouldn't have been. Well, offended. not just 26,000 people, <laughs> right? There were over 600,000 people. Hodge. What's that it's not so much about it ringing out throughout Mosaic Stadium. It's the TV broadcast too. Like you're getting close to up to seven hundred thousand in yes, terms of but my But my point is, if you say something on the sidelines, you're often as a player or coach completely unaware if there's a camera on you. Valesi was the one in control. Of the microphone made the mistake, and because it went to those people live, that's why it was on television. But it may, maybe it's a nitpick. Riders head coach Craig Dickinson told the media that he's, quote, not happy with his team and they know it, end quote, despite clinching the West final. Is Dickinson right to express disappointment with his team? Yes, uh, absolutely. And I'll I'll preface by saying this before the Ryder fans jump down my throat. I think Saskatchewan's a good football team. I think this is a team that has earned the right to host the West semifinal. With that being said, let's take a look at their four-game winning streak. They beat Calgary. 
in their third of three meetings. They lost the season series. They dropped the first two. They beat Matthew Schultz and the Alouettes, and then they beat Edmonton back-to-back. And all four of those wins have been one-score wins. These these are tight wins. Now, a win is a win is a win. You give them full credit for the 4-0 streak. But at the same time, Dunkster, I don't know anybody going into the postseason who would be scared of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders right now relative to some of the other clubs that are out there. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers have been the class of the league so far this season. The Calgary Stampeders are getting hot at the right time. I think Trevor Harris has breathed some life into the Alouettes' offense. And the Toronto Argonauts just keep winning. I mean, their B-squad lost to the Edmonton last night, but... The Toronto Argonauts have continually stepped up and answered the call. If I'm going into the postseason and I'm Craig Dickinson, I want my team peaking at the right time, and I don't think they've done that. I don't think they've continued to improve, say, since Labor Day. And so to me, that is why I think Craig Dickinson's sentiment makes perfect sense. The one dude to me that is peaking right now is Duke Williams, and that provides hopes for the playoffs because we know – that the offense has been the topic of discussion. That defense is arguably Grey Cup caliber. Are they as good as the Blue Bombers D with Willie Jefferson, Adam Big Hill, and the rest? Absolutely not. But they've played at a level that has been ultra high all season long because the offense has struggled for most of the year. So I think the key factor there is if Williams can play at an all-star level going into the playoffs, he had that big game against Edmonton, I believe it was 146 yards, a touchdown, and then he busted out the gritty. Like That adds some swagger that shows that Williams can get over the top and put potentially some fear in defense's game planning that, hey, they can actually hit the deep ball down the field. But I'm with you. The rest of the offense just seems out of sync. Shaq Evans and Fajardo have not regained that form from 2019. And to be quite honest, the offensive line has got to play better so I really think they would be aided by running the ball more with William Powell but Moss the offensive coordinator there I should say Jason Moss really hasn't shown the propensity to stick to the run game so barring that and them really grinding it out it's hard for me to see them beating Calgary in the West semifinal yeah right right now I'd be picking Calgary in that game I mean Calgary again they they've gone into Mosaic and won this year and they did that without Reggie Begleton and that to me, Dunkster, you mentioned it, is a, is a surprise. I'm a card-carrying member of the Duke Williams fan club. But that being said, he hasn't opened up other things in that offense. He was brilliant in the recent win against Edmonton, but you're right. He hasn't opened things up for Shaq Evans. The run game is still relatively quiet. And to me, the difference is in Calgary, you've got a situation where Reggie Begleton has really opened things up. Kamar Jordan is getting more space, right? The, the, the whole offense has been buoyed by Reggie Bagleton and really lifted, whereas in Saskatchewan, it looks like Duke Williams is the offense, and there's not a whole heck of a lot else going on. So to me, if I'm Craig Dickinson, and it looks like they're going to play their B squad essentially in the final week of the season versus Hamilton. So the next time we'll see the ones dunksters going to be the West semi, and this team I think has to fix their trajectory because you mentioned it. The offensive line is not good enough. The rest of the receiving core is struggling a little bit because there are elements of this team, I think the defense included, is Grey Cup caliber. But overall, I don't think their trajectory is matching what some of the other clubs in the CFL have been able to do going into the postseason. Dude, you better be careful out there in Manitoba because they're going <laughs> to think you're biased towards the Blue Bombers and all those Ryder fans going to have the pitchforks out looking for you, Haji. Hey, if I've dealt with the Argos fans in my mentions for the last week, I'm not scared of Ryder Nation. We got to oh. take a quick break, Dugster. <laughs> when we come back, we have lots more of the latest CFL news. 
Dunkster, the NFL has reportedly floated the idea of expanding to the city of Toronto. This isn't necessarily a news story. We've heard rumors about this for seemingly forever. What are your thoughts on this latest development? There was a lot of feedback on Twitter when we posted this on our timeline of people saying, well, you need to have one owner and it can't be a corporation like Rogers or Bell. And then you have to get a stadium built. Well, let me tell you, there would be multiple people in this country with massive egos that would want to know, want to own an NFL team. All right. Top among them is Larry Tannenbaum. So they would want to find a way to do it. So let's just get that out of the way. All right. From the NFL's perspective, of course, they would want to be in one of North America's biggest markets. Look at the success, for example, of the Toronto Raptors. Yes, you know, some people might argue it took a while for them to win an NBA championship in 2019. But leading up to that, the Raptors were seen as a cool, hip, new franchise that a lot of people gained interest in. So certainly the NFL would want a piece of that market overall. And if you look at some of the smaller markets in the US, maybe expansion isn't necessarily the way they go. Maybe they move a team there, although expansion was what was talked about in the owners meeting. So I certainly think this has been a topic in the NFL for a number of years now. Obviously, everyone refers to that Bills in Toronto series, which I think is just totally different in and of itself. The ticket prices were whack. It wasn't Toronto's team. I actually asked some of my buddies the other day just to take a quick straw poll. Say, hey, your favorite team is X in the NFL. If there was a team in Toronto, would you cheer for them? And you go around the room and all the guys said yes. So to me, I think the NFL can work in Toronto. The NFL would certainly want to be there. And I agree with that. I think I think the NFL could work in Toronto if it was a local team. The Bills series there was a disaster going back, whatever that is, a decade now. But I'll say this, the amount of money that would be required, the amount of capital that would be required when you're looking at stadium, when you're looking at expansion fee, when you're looking at everything, plus the fact that the Canadian dollar is not doing well right now. It's trading, I think, like a buck 20 against the U.S. dollar. The amount of money that is required to do this, I know Larry Tannenbaum is a very wealthy man, but he's not Jeff Bezos and he's not Elon Musk. That's, that's, that's an unfathomable amount of money to put together because as you mentioned dunkster the nfl is not going to allow a conglomerate or an organization to own this team it's going to have to be an individual so i i do think that we could see the nfl in toronto but i think this is a long-term projection much more so than a short-term projection the other thing i'll say before i move on dunkster is frankly if the nfl does or pardon me if the cfl doesn't work in toronto anymore I don't think that necessarily an NFL team in Toronto is an existential threat to a team like the Argos when there are all kinds of places like Brampton, Mississauga, and all kinds of surrounding, you know, suburban cities, but but you know, cities that are the size of Hamilton that could in theory support a CFL team. Does the CFL and its sponsors want to have a team in Toronto? Absolutely, but I don't think that a team in Toronto is a death knell to the Argos, provided the Argos can find a suitable accommodation, a suitable venue to play in outside of the city, but still in southern Ontario. And let's get it straight. The NFL would work in Toronto. It's a front-running town, right? It likes to be hip and posh, and that's why they support the Raptors, because it's the NBA, and the NBA is viewed People like this comparison or not as a top basketball league in the world. Same for Major League Baseball. Same for the NHL and the Maple Leafs. That's a little bit of a different story because they've been around longer. But same for the Blue Jays. That's viewed as the top level of baseball in the world. And like it or not, 
That is how the general public who are not hardcore football fans view the NFL. So if there was a team there, I certainly think it would be supported. You would see the stars out, and I would imagine Drake and some other people like that would want to get behind it. And even though you have to have one majority owner, that doesn't mean you can have multiple, doesn't mean you couldn't have, excuse me, multiple other minority owners. Veteran quarterback Trevor Harris has continued to impress with the Alouettes, throwing three touchdowns and a win over Winnipeg. If you were Montreal, would you stick with Harris in 2022 or keep Vernon Adams Jr.? That is a really good question. And Trevor Harris, in a very short amount of time, albeit a small sample size in Montreal, has done some really good things as their starting quarterback, including, as you mentioned, lighting up Winnipeg for three touchdown passes. Not a ton of yardage in the rain, but those three touchdown passes, especially the two to Eugene Lewis, were slick. I think what Harris has going for him is that he is a more proven commodity. I think that he's a little bit more consistent, whereas Vernon Adams Jr. is a little bit more hot and cold as a quarterback. Obviously, Adams adds the extra dimension of being able to make plays with his legs, and he's also younger, right? He's still yet to reach 30 years of age, whereas Harris, albeit a young 35, is still 35, right? He's closer to the end of his career than the start. I think I need the playoffs to make a firm decision, but if you maybe make a snap judgment right now, I would be leaning about 60-40 in favor of Trevor Harris rather than Vernon Adams Jr. And let's also be honest, people are starting to talk about you know, the, the possibility that Trevor Harris is the 2021 version of Zach Kolaris, right? Nobody saw Zach Kolaris a year ago leading Winnipeg to a title. If if Trevor Harris wins the East Semi, which will likely be played in Hamilton, the East Final, the Grey Cup, all of a sudden that discussion, I think, becomes a lot more interesting. Well, if he wins a Grey Cup, there's no question that he would be the number one guy in 2022, in my mind. And if you look at Danny Machocci's past, he had a guy when he was in Edmonton named Ricky Ray, who obviously was more of a pocket passer. So, you know, I know behind the scenes, Machocha was happy to pull off the trade and get Harris there, a guy that they never thought could come available. And yes, people will talk about the added dimension with Adams Jr. being able to run around with his legs, but also that leads to mistakes. And traditionally, Harris, compared to Adams Jr., has kept more careful care of the football in terms of the turnover. So this is a major decision they're going to have to make. And yeah, we're kind of asking the question a little bit early because playoffs are essentially going to help make this decision overall. And also the numbers are as well. So in terms of the contract numbers, so this is going to be very intriguing to see what happens, but I think the history is there in terms of the type of quarterback Machocha likes. And there will be some people that would tell you that Harris is more level-headed and not as up and down or wears his emotions on his sleeve like Adams Jr. So even though, yeah, you mentioned the age, Harris is 35. He wants to play well into his 40s. Like, I mean, he joked around with me in a preseason conference call that he wanted to play until he was in his 60s. So he's a very big fan of the TB12 method and diet, wants to meet Tom Brady and is going to continue that. So he takes care of his body. I mean, we all saw that shot of him with his shirt off in training camp when he was in Edmonton. The dude's in shape, and I think he could probably play for at least five more years into his 40s. Well, and if there is any question that's been answered already, it's that Trevor Harris still has some game, right? The last time we saw him play in green and gold was at IG Field. I was there. He looked awful. Granted, he was the victim of some drops, but I think he completed nine of 22 pass attempts. He just looked sad. He looked like a, a shadow of his former self and like the phoenix rising from the grave, so to speak. He, he is absent from the ashes, I suppose. I should get my analogy correct. He's, he's played well. 
you know, in, in Montreal. He's looked like the Trevor Harris of old who led the Ottawa Red Blacks to a great cup appearance and who set a record for touchdown passes in a single game in the East semifinal in the postseason in 2019. So I think he's done some very impressive things in a short amount of time, but I am looking forward to seeing what he does the rest of the way in the postseason to potentially reshape not just the face of Montreal's franchise, but shake things up across the board. Because obviously, Vernon Adams Jr. comes available. You're going to have a number of teams with interest in making him their new franchise quarterback. Canadian quarterback Nathan Rourke will start for the BC Lions in the regular season finale on Friday, replacing Michael Riley. Dunkster, is this a good move? And is it a sign of potential offseason changes in BC? First question first, it's smart because you want to get as much as you can from Rourke on film. At this point, Riley's played a chunk of games this season. The Lions have a good idea of what he is now at this point in his career and his age overall. So you got to get Rourke in there. And people want to talk about meaningless games in football. Let me tell you, if you're an athlete and you're a player, and in this example, Rourke, this is not a meaningless game. Like your future is essentially on the line. The Lions could be deciding, maybe not just on this game, but it's another film to put into your body of work from the rest of the season to say, all right, we believe this guy is a legitimate backup quarterback who has potential for the future. Or if you play poorly, then maybe they start wondering, oh, well, is he backup caliber? Do we have to go look for somebody else? And in terms of your second question, potentially there's going to be at least those thoughts of changes in BC with Michael Riley at the helm. This will be, what, his third or fourth straight year where he's been, and we just have to say it, these are the facts, the starting quarterback of a team that has missed the playoffs. So I know that buzz has been quiet behind the scenes for a few years now, but now that it's happened again and he's the highest-paid player in the league, it's hard to justify at least that amount of money. Now, I'm sure, I'm guessing here, but Riley would want to stay on the West Coast if he could because it's close to where his family's based, just over the border in Washington. And he might take a little bit of a reduced number. That said, if you're the Lions and you see potential in Rourke, he's on a much more team-friendly contract. And what you could put around him would be a more stellar group from a talent standpoint. Well, Nathan Rourke is on his rookie deal, and as part of the CFL's latest CBA, they slotted all of the rookie money and they made which previously was not the case, they made all Canadian national draftees sign three-year contracts. You could no longer do a one-and-one. You had to sign for three. So Nathan Rourke, on the grand scheme of things, is making peanuts compared to what other starting quarterbacks would make. So I agree, Dunkster. Riley is surely the better quarterback right now. But if you're BC and you could potentially free up, say, half a million bucks (laughs) against the cap, imagine the weapons. Like that's, That's like two elite pass rushers and a great receiver who you could potentially put in free agency and put Rourke. And let's also not forget, it's not necessarily Riley versus Rourke for 2022. You could just as easily say, okay, well, we're going to roll with Nathan Rourke and we're going to bring in somebody, say he becomes a free agent like a Vernon Adams, or say we're going to bring in somebody like a Jeremiah Mazzoli or, or somebody who is a pending free agent quarterback. Jake Mayer, for instance, is a pending free agent quarterback. And you can create some competition without breaking the bank because Rourke, not just in 2022, but also in 2023, is going to be close to the bottom of the CFL's pay scale overall and certainly at the bottom of the pay scale among quarterbacks, assuming he's a starter at that point. Yeah, anytime we talk about Canadian quarterbacks, we're probably going to go long here. But let's say the number overall, right? You said peanuts, so let's give the idea out there that 
Nathan Rourke will make in and around $100,000, essentially, okay? And that's if he maxes out his incentives and all that stuff. So my thought process here, if I were the Lions, would be, are we that much better of a football team, let's say in 2021, if Rourke had been the starter, right? We saw flashes of it, but the Lions probably still would have missed the playoffs. You could argue, I mean, maybe Rourke catches lightning in a bottle and they make the playoffs, but... Are you any further ahead? And I think this has to be the critical thinking that goes on behind the scenes. Are you any further ahead starting Riley in 2021 versus Rourke? And you mentioned it. If you're paying your quarterback, your starting quarterback potentially, and you think that guy could be legit, $100,000, look at what else you could put around him to help that team out. Now, you have to believe that Rourke is that dude. But dare I say, maybe this is the wave of the future. And we've seen it in the NFL where teams want to draft their quarterback high and specifically at the end of the first round so they get that fifth-year option. Now, there have been some quarterbacks that have gotten major contract extensions before the end of those five years. That said, it's been a model down in the NFL and the team that's right there by BC was Seattle that worked when Russell Wilson was on his rookie deal. So I don't want to beat the drum any more than I already am for Canadian quarterbacks, but if there's a reason now with the draft contract slotted in like that, you can have your starting quarterback potentially, if you see one out there, like Rourke, for $100,000 for three years and build a team around them. That's an intriguing at least discussion that needs to be had. That's all I'm saying. You don't want to say anything else about Canadian quarterback, Todd? You leave it to me. Well, I'll say I think you're <laughs> overestimating how much he's making. There's a there is a low cap on those Canadian draft deals. I think he's making sub eighty thousand dollars. I think that is the cap. And BC, by the way, is a double beneficiary of that because Jordan Williams, who's been a fantastic addition <laughs> from the middle linebacker, is also going to be starting through twenty twenty three on a bargain of a deal, bargain, bargain bin of bargain bins kind of contract. All right, so less than a hundred thousand. In Winnipeg, Sean McGuire started his first career CFL game and struggled a little bit, completing just 11 of 26 attempts for 149 yards, one touchdown, and four picks. How much trouble are the Bombers in if, I hate even saying this, Zach Caleros were to go down? Oh, they'd be in a lot of trouble, Dunkster. I mean, it was a disappointing performance for Sean McGuire. He admitted as such in the media. He was distraught after the game and spoke to the media again on Tuesday and basically just said, you know, I, I've, I have to process it and move on. Um, but this is a guy they've been grooming for three years, two seasons now. This is his first real opportunity to go out there and make plays. And the weather was not working to his advantage. It was rainy. It was not good conditions for throwing the football in Montreal. But he he was short hopping things. He was thrown off his back foot. He never looked comfortable. He delivered a lot of uncatchable passes. He threw a pick in the first half. And then once the game was essentially out of reach or the Bombers were in desperation mode, he threw up three picks in the last, I want to say it was five to 10 minutes of that game. Um, now, I don't think he throws four picks necessarily unless the Bombers are in desperation mode and he's just trying to get something going. But outside of the two really nice long throws, he had one to Lawler and one to Darvin Adams for the touchdown. It was a, it was not a good debut. It was very poor performance from a player who the Bombers have pre previously expressed on several occasions they're very high on. So if there was any question about you know, what was behind Zach Kolaris, at least in the short term, we've got an answer, and that is not much. Zach Kolaris has stayed healthy all season. The Bombers are now 
into the playoffs. They're going to host the West final. We know that they just got to keep their, their fingers crossed that he is going to remain healthy. And there were some rumors yesterday. Zach Claris was away from practice on Tuesday. Him and his wife, Nicole, welcomed the second child. We'd like to congratulate them both on becoming parents again. But there were some rumors that maybe Kolaris is going to play in Calgary this week. I personally think that is a bad idea. That's just my opinion, but I think they should keep him out of the game, make sure that he's healthy, ready to roll for the West final. Cause let's be honest, he's going to win MOP. It's not like he needs the reps. As far as McGuire is concerned though, I think the context we need to talk about is it's only one game and you don't want to go too crazy over that small of a sample size. But a lot of times in the CFL Hodge as a quarterback, you might only get one game. You might not even get a full game. So I can understand yep. why he's distraught. And, you know, was he completely awful and doesn't deserve another opportunity? No, I would say not. And the Bombers have shown that they have faith in their guys, especially the ones that head coach Michael Shea really likes and that has kept around for a while. So I think McGuire could get another opportunity to see game action, which, you know, in all likelihood will come this week in Calgary. But he's got to be better. Because as a quarterback, you just do not get many opportunities, fair or not. And I know we're really zeroing in on the quarterback position, but that's really pro football in general. Is When you get your opportunity, you need to cement yourself and show that you can play at that level. And in this instance, McGuire, he didn't answer the question, as you said, as to can he be a backup that can step in if the Bombers need. Now, I agree with you. I don't think Calero should play at all. I do think there is something to be said for rhythm and timing, but the Bombers are just a totally different team in the way they approach all of these things. I don't think rust will matter at all for the West Final. And you know the fact that Claros is back home in Ontario with his wife, I'm assuming that's where the child was born, then you don't really see him getting back there time to go play in Calgary. But that said, it could be in Winnipeg. I know the family is tight and they probably have wanted to stay out there. So we'll see if Claros does even get back in time to go to Calgary with the team. I believe they're in Winnipeg. I could be wrong about that. But uh, the bottom line to me is in the short term and long term, maybe Sean McGuire is going to be a great CFL quarterback. I don't know that what he's going to be like in 2010, 2022 and beyond. What I am saying is right now he had a chance to answer the question for 2021. Can he do it? The answer for me is an emphatic no. So Zach Kolaris, you got to do whatever you can. Put him in, put him in, put him in bubble wrap, put him in a hamster ball. I don't care. Don't let him get hurt. Dunkster, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, it'll be time for Hodges Heritage Bowl. On this day in 2019, Toronto native Nikhil Harry made his first career NFL reception in a 17-10 victory over the Philadelphia Eagles. The six-foot-four target was injured for the first half of his rookie NFL season, finishing the year with 12 receptions for 105 yards and two scores. Harry became the fifth Canadian ever selected with a first-round NFL draft pick when the New England Patriots selected him 32nd overall in the uh, 2019 NFL draft. Harry never developed into the number one receiver the Pats hoped he'd become, but he's hashed out a really nice role for himself as a hybrid tight end capable of run blocking at an elite level. According to Pro Football Focus, he is currently the second highest rated run blocker on all of New England's roster this far in 2021. Dunkster, did you see him pancake Miles Garrett this past week in the Pats romp over the Browns? Oh boy, and that is not easy to do. And I feel like, you know, some people are going to label Harry as a bust or you're saying 
in your piece there that he hasn't developed into a number one receiver. Well, he's still young and we always get so focused on the statistics, but in New England, they're ultra lasered in to how they affect the football game. And the key there, as you mentioned, is what he can do as a blocker and how versatile he is. He can line up wide. He can be in the slot. He can be inlined as a tight end. He can do all these different things, and he can affect the running game. He can affect the passing game in multiple different ways, and that's what the Patriots value. So I just don't want the people out there listening to the podcast thinking that we think he's a bust. He's a versatile player that is still learning the ins and outs of becoming, potentially, and he has those type of skills, an all-star caliber receiver in the NFL. But I'll say this too. I mean, the, the, the quarterback situation, I think in new England in 2020 did him no favors, right? He was hurt in 2019 when Tom Brady was still there 2020, they're having quarterback problems. And this year, Mac Jones, I think has played well for a rookie, but he's, he's still a rookie. So it's not like he's been in a system where he's working with the same pivot year in, year out. He's had to deal with a ton of turnover as a very young receiver, which, which obviously never helps. And if you're looking for a versatile piece to get into your life, you got to check out Jiffy Lube. They're going to take care of all your needs that you need with your vehicle, particularly with winter coming up. Heck in Manitoba, we got what I think six, seven inches of snow already. Make sure that you have your vehicle winterized. Trust the good folks at Jiffy Lube. They're going to give you the right information, do the right things, get you in and out in a Jiffy. Dude, this snow is sweeping Western Canada. I'm going to be in Saskatoon for the Hardy Cup, and I know they got a good dumping all over Saskatchewan, essentially, but Regina and Saskatoon in particular. So you got to make sure that car is ready to roll, and you want to make sure that when you go outside in the morning, whether it's your remote car starter or you physically start your car, that it's going to fire up. And the best way to do that is a fresh oil change. Make sure your fluids are topped up so you can battle that winter weather on the road with windshield wiper fluid or whatever else your car might need to get around. And the place to go do it is Jiffy Loop. In and out in 15 minutes, you won't even get cold. It'll be that fast. So head in on there to make sure you're ready to deal with this Canadian weather, especially in the western part of the country. It's now time for the three-minute drill powered by Jiffy Lube. The BC Lions will induct late former owner David Braley into the Wall of Fame on Friday. Is that a good move? Smart move, but the only one that they can make can't not put Braley in there. Former CFL QB Chris Strebler took over late for the Arizona Cardinals on their loss to the Carolina Panthers, engineering a touchdown drive. Did you enjoy getting to see him play again? It made my heart happy to see Chris Strebler at the controls of an offense again. Canadian kicker Liram Hyralahu was perfect in his NFL debut with the Dallas Cowboys. Does that surprise you? No, not at all. Now, we should say it was on extra points, but in the NFL, extra points are essentially 32-yard field goals. So the fact that he stepped in there under the bright lights in Big D, all credit to hallelujah, Hyralahu. Jason Moss said he's scared of faulty headsets, which is why he stays on the sidelines during games. Does that make sense? I think it's fair that Jason Moss is afraid of headsets, but let's be honest. Headsets should be afraid of Jason Moss. <laughs> that man has destroyed many a headset. I think they should be more afraid of him than he is of them. The quest for the Vanier Cup is down to seven teams, Dunkster. Who you got? The University of Saskatchewan Huskies. They're getting disrespected in the national top ten poll. I don't know how they're behind some of these teams. In my mind, they are the favorite to win. The Riders are resting Cody Fajardo, William Powell, Duke Williams, and 
again, Clark, this week against Hamilton. Smart move, right? Absolutely. You got to play it safe with your stars, though. Again, I do want to see the Riders fix that trajectory going into the postseason. Canadian linebacker Jesse Lucchetta has received an invitation to the Senior Bowl. Is that a big deal? It is. The Penn State product getting to this game shows that barring something crazy or unforeseen, he's a surefire NFL draft pick and has really risen with the Nittany Lions in his senior season. And the Senior Bowl for the uninitiated out there is the top college all-star game week showcase, whatever you want to call it viewed by NFL scouts, so that is a major get for Lucetta. Former CFL official Ken Lazarick is retiring after over 50 years in football. What kind of legacy does he leave? Well, Lazarick officiated, I believe it was 11 great cups, two as a head official, and he's from Winnipeg, and he, you know, he hasn't been on the CFL field since 2008, but he has spent the last 13 years since training and developing local officials and dunkster he's 74 years old he was on the field refing high school football even just a week or two ago in the snow at age 74 i think we can all strive to have that type of longevity that's just incredible finally the cfl has decided not to register a contract for former CFL Most Outstanding Rookie Nate Hawley in accordance with its Violence Against Women policy. We will report further information on this as it becomes available. The announcement came literally as we were sitting down to record this dunkster. The league has already said it will not comment further. Anything to add for you, Mr. Duncan? That's about it. I just wish that the policy that the league enforced was consistent. So we'll see if that changes and happens in the future. Yes, and one thing I will add, it does appear that this is not related to the charges that he faced in 2016 as a college football player. This does seem to be related to something ongoing uh, that occurred between the 2019 season when he was with Calgary and now. So as more information comes available, we will report it on 3 Down Nation. Don't forget to check back, and we'll see you next Wednesday for another episode of the 3 Down Nation podcast. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.